0: Uh, Philippians chapter four is what our text is going to be. We're gonna be in a, a uh, I've been spending a lot of time in prayer and study and reading and, and uh, just kind of trying to find what it, what it was that God wants me to bring to our church right now and, and what, we, what we need, you know, the old, the old saying, man plans and God decides. Uh, this, this whole virus and everything, the reaction of the world and everything that we've had to do, has really kind of just thrown all the plans to the wind that we've, that we've had. So we all have to adapt and adjust, and that's even with uh, my sermons and, and uh, what we had planned here. We're, we're looking things at, at a different way and looking at uh, ways that we are now going to go forward instead of what we were going to do in the past. And as we've gotten into this, we're now, I guess, three weeks. Is it three weeks now? that we're into the stay-at-home, I don't know. I have to remind myself of what day it is, right? I, I get up, and it's like, is this Tuesday? And thank you, Apple Watch, or thank you, thank you, you know, for, for reminding me of what day it is. But uh, as, I've, as I've read, uh, the novelty of this whole situation has worn off. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the novelty of being locked in, it was, it was cute for some people for a week or so. For those, of you, for those of you who aren't essential or didn't have businesses to run, and those of you who were, who were at home, it was cute for a little while. But listen, if I wanted to homeschool my children, <laughs> I, I, I'd have homeschooled them, okay, right? Um, but it was, it was, I don't know if I want to use the word fun, but it was, it was interesting and it was a novelty for a little while, but the novelty has worn off and we're starting to see that, that anger level rise and we're starting to see that frustration level rise and we're starting to see people, uh, when you do have to go out, if you do have to go to the store, uh, mm-hmm. We've personally had instances in our family where either Aaron has run to the store, or I've run to the store, and people are getting so frustrated and they're so so afraid. It's a difficult time that they uh, just—it's—it's starting to wear thin. Even for Christians, things are starting to wear thin. Now is the time for our faith to matter most. It should always matter. Don't get me wrong. Our faith should always be important. But it struck me last night as I I was on my prayer drive that so we're very fortunate, very blessed here that we have people who are willing to come out and put on our regular service. We can do that here. Don't panic. In Massachusetts, essential workers are allowed to be in church, okay? So our worship team is considered essential. Our pastoral staff is considered to be essential. So it's okay that we're here, all right? Um, But not every church has that ability to do those kind of things. And it has struck me that around the world, there's not much Sunday school going on. Around the world, there's not a lot of worship programs going on. Around the world, pastors have never been more important to the ministry of churches than they are right now. And I think what is being shown to me, and I think to a lot of others, is that when you strip everything away from ministry, when you strip all the bells and whistles and you take away all the entertainment, it comes down to the word of God and what the Bible has to say. And I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of Christians even struggling, struggling with their, not necessarily with their faith, but the application of their faith and, apply, and, and living in their faith and allowing their faith to be their strength. And as I prayed about this and. And, uh, and spent time reading and really searching and seeking God's leadership. Uh, the series we're going to be going in, we're starting today, is called Feed Your Mind. And we find it in Philippians, our text in Philippians chapter four. Let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter four, beginning at verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, I'll stop there for just a second. The the, the fifth word in that line, rejoice in the Lord always, there's no caveat for difficult times. There's no caveat there for pandemics. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul repeated it again. I say rejoice. Remember that because that's going to be a theme throughout everything we talk about. I'll let you know right now because I put it out on Friday night when I did the, the devotion, or Thursday night, when I did the devotions, no, it was yesterday, I'm sorry. See, they all run into one another. <laughs> they all run into one another. Saturday, when I did the invitation to church, wow. See, I, cannot, I can blame it on that and not on my age, okay? Um, but when, uh, when Saturday, when I gave the invitation, I said, we're gonna be talking about mental health, Over the next several weeks, because it's so vitally important right now that as Christians, we make sure that we are mentally strong. How do you become mentally strong? By being spiritually strong. So, we're gonna be talking about principles like that it starts with realizing that God is in control at all times. Therefore, because God is sovereign, because God is in control, I can rejoice in whatever situation I find myself in. Remember what Paul said? I've learned, I've I've been poor, I've been rich, I've been hungry, I've been fed, I've been tired, I've been well-rested, I've been every situation on both sides. And no matter what, I've learned in whatever situation, whatever issue, whatever place God has called me and placed me in, I've learned to be content with him in that situation. That's a struggle, isn't it? Are you content right now? It's tough. It's a tough time but that's, that's what our faith does for us. And we're gonna be, as I said, we're gonna be digging into that and, and finding out what the word says to us. Because as I've, always, as I've said a lot of times, if our faith isn't practical, then what good is it? If you can't use it on a daily basis in your life, then what does it matter? He goes on to say, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren. Now, before we read that that last part, it's easy to talk about the peace of God that passes all of our understanding when times are good. Really? Right? Right? It's easy to say, oh, I've got peace from God about buying this second car. I've got peace from God about doing this. Hey, man, you have, let's, let's be honest here. Do you have peace from God about going to the grocery store right now? Do you have peace from God about being outside? It, it's interesting, isn't it, to drive around neighborhoods we, as we've been uh, going to the store. I see neighbors having conversations, and they're literally yards apart. One is at one side of the yard, one is at the other side of the yard. It's amazing. Are you at peace with going out and doing the basics of life right now? Because now is what it matters most, the peace of God that goes, "Well, how can you do that? How, how, how can you not be concerned about you? Listen, it's not that I'm not concerned, and it's not that I'm not taking precautions. But what I do know is that God in heaven is in control. And God in heaven has a plan for my life, and I mean this with all my heart. If God's plan for my life is not to go past this time in history, then God knows best. That's a peace that goes beyond. Is that what I want? Absolutely not, absolutely not. But I need to trust God and his plan. How do you do that? When everything is coming at you, In in waves. I mean, we've now reached the point where people are so frustrated that they're looking for somebody to blame. Everybody's got somebody to blame for this. How do you rise above it? How do you keep yourself mentally strong so you can stay spiritually strong? Finally, brothers, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That's where our minds should be right now. Dwelling on the things of God, the things that matter to God, the things that are worthy of his praise, the things that are, are good and the things that are true. Listen, an overwhelming overload of negative information and fear can affect your mental state and cause you to feel fear and cause you to feel hopelessness. As believers right now, criticism of your faith, the things that you believe deeply, being told that it's science that matters and your faith is irrelevant or unnecessary, can cause confusion and can cause doubt. I'll I'll say it out loud when we're told that churches are not, are, are not essential right now, that causes a lot, of Christian, a lot of believers believe that. That it's more important to, to watch the, uh, the scientists who, by the way, have no answers. You understand that? All those who have put their faith and trust in science, they have no answers right now. I'm not being a fear monger, I'm just being honest about it. But we're being told now, Now, those who told us before we were irrelevant or non-essential are realizing that people need something to hang on to and something to believe in. Now is the time where you don't need to give in to fear because you're being overloaded with negativity. You're being overloaded with anxiety. You're being overloaded with, with stress in your life. And it doesn't matter whether you have accepted Christ as your savior or not that takes a toll on you. That affects your mind if you allow it to. If you don't take precautions, if you don't spend the time taking care of your spiritual health and seeking answers from God and direction from God, man, you can find yourself in a difficult, difficult situation. Situation, confusion, and doubt. Making sure, you know, we've heard this, I've heard, I've heard this, and it's, it's not a political statement. I just think it's a really good, a really good thing to say because it's, it's important that we think about it. Making sure that the cure isn't worse than the disease is vitally important. I'll explain what I mean. It means that during times of great stress and emotional turmoil for us and our families, it isn't just the disease or the stressor that we have to be concerned about. Let's remember, 330 million plus people in America are affected by this in lockdown. What is it, about 90% of the nation is in lockdown? But I think less than half a million people actually have the disease. I'm not downplaying that, I'm trying to make a point. It's not just the disease that brings the stress. It's not just the disease that brings the fear. It's the threat of those things that brings it. Many people won't get this, but you're still going to have to deal with the stress of it all. Somebody, something funny, I, I, I put gas in my truck. Uh, I think it was a dollar with, with the discount from Big Y. 15-cent discount, I think I paid $1.79. Five. I haven't paid that, less, that little for gas in so long, but where are you going to go, right? <laughs> Got a full tank of cheap gas, but you can't use it for anything, right? But making sure that the cure isn't worse than the disease for you is important. Many times, and for many people, lives, marriages, and families are casualties of the stress. Many times in life, families, marriages, children, they're casualties of the stress. We're being told over and over again that there are difficult days ahead, more difficult days ahead than we've already gone through. There's no guarantee afterwards that everything is gonna go back to normal, that everything is going to be what we would say Okay. There's no guarantee after all of this. That people are now, I hear people talking now on, on TV saying life is never going to be the same again. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's an exaggeration or what, but I do know this. This is going to affect us and our thinking and our society for a long, long time. There might be difficult days ahead days ahead involving finances and ways of life that you have to deal with. Some may be short-term changes and others may be forever changes we don't know and we won't know for a while. How will you handle all of that? As a follower of Jesus Christ, how will you handle all of that? How are you going to face it? It's a fact that suicide rates increase during times of economic difficulties. In fact, during the Great Depression, the suicide rate increased by 23% in America. There are two years during the Great Depression, I believe it was 1937 and 1938, where there was an amazing spike in suicide. A survey was taken of attempted suicide survivors from the Great Depression, and they were asked, why did, you, why did you get to that point? What drove you to the point of taking your life? Men most frequently cited financial trouble as the reason for their actions. Men, the the and remember, back then this men were considered the breadwinners. Men were the men were the ones that, that did everything for the home. And because they couldn't provide for their families, that's what drove many men to the point of either attempting or following through with suicide. Women, it was different. The reason women cited was mostly emotional issues or domestic issues. That was their reason. In America and many countries around the world, speaking of domestic issues, domestic difficulties, In America and countries around the world, we've seen rises in calls to hotlines for domestic violence in the last two weeks. This isn't over the course of 20 years. This is in the last two weeks. I got these statistics just last night. In the last two weeks, phone calls to around the world to hotlines for domestic abuse have gone up in some localities by 10% In others here in our country by 30%. Some areas of our country and others, including Brazil, calls for dom- calls to domestic violence hotlines have increased 100% in the last two weeks. And one area of the United States in the last two weeks has seen a rise, amazing, of 400% in calls to hotlines for domestic violence. And that's according for statistics according to last year and the year before at this time. Statistics show that during times of great economic stress, the divorce rate actually dips. But then once the recovery takes place, divorces skyrocket again. And the reason sociologists give for that (laughs) is this. People can't afford to get divorced (laughs) during a depression or a recession. And some, even men, uh, men especially, they, they don't follow through on divorce during a depression or a recession because their home value has gone down so much. So they wait until the recovery happens and then they follow through. What I'm trying to say in all of this is this, no matter who you are, this time in our history, this time in your life is bringing stress on you that you need to know how to handle. Life has changed, life is different. I know for us, life is, is much, listen, we closed on our home on the last day that the government was allowing mortgages of our kind to be closed. We, we just got in, and that's, you talk about God. We just cut the mortgage closed on our home. And along with that, Our two eight-year-old sons, the very same day that we closed on our home, our sons were told that their school was shut down. Now, let me just just give you a little understanding here. For those of you who are watching that don't know, we adopted Gabriel and Michael through the foster care system. Gabriel and Michael have, uh, have been diagnosed with PTSD. So changes really, really do a, do a number on our boys. And to get hit with that double dose at the same time, man, that, that threw routine out the door. That threw routine right out the window. So even in our home, we're dealing with the great changes in life right now. And you can try to be the hero, you can try to be the, the strong person, but we all know that what we're going through right now affects us. And if we as followers of Jesus Christ don't deal with it according to the word of God, then we're going to have big trouble come down the road. As followers of Jesus, we're not exempt from these issues in normal times of life. 38% of faithful attenders in normal life, 38% of faithful church attenders get divorced. Okay, so the church has a faithful, this is not not people that go to church once in a while, 38% of faithful married couples who are in church faithfully get divorced in churches today, evangelical churches. 2018, over 48,000 suicides were recorded while 1.4 million were attempted in the US and a number of suicides among churchgoers and especially pastors and their family members has increased. I cannot tell you how many emails and, and things are, are sent to me in, in, um, in uh, online uh, newsletters that I get of pastors, mega church pastors, younger pastors, older pastors, committing suicide or losing members of their family to suicide. Listen, Christian, I know this might be uncomfortable for people to talk about and it's not typically what we discuss in church all the time, but if we don't acknowledge the fact that mental, mental illness, and if you don't want to call it mental illness, let's call it mental struggles. If you don't want to acknowledge that those exist in the lives of Christians, then you're just not paying attention. We're seeing over and over and over again, people not being able to cope with the stress in their lives. Two-thirds of American pastors, two-thirds of American pastors say that domestic violence, not domestic, not domestic disputes or domestic disorder, you know, where, where they're not getting along, where the husband and wife are not getting along or the teenager is a little bit of an annoying teenager. <laughs> two-thirds of all American pastors say domestic violence is a problem in their congregation. Not that they've heard about it, Two-thirds of American pastors today, not at, not at this time, these were statistics from last year, say that domestic violence is a problem in their congregation. Now, add to it, add to it what we're going through right now. And let, Listen, you can love your children all you want, okay? But if you can't send them, if they're old enough to go out on their own, if you don't feel comfortable sending them out to play or do something, and you are... Like, it's, it's like Gilligan's Island, right? There's nowhere to go. You're stuck together as a family. If you don't have a plan and if you don't address it through the power of God and the wisdom of God and the principles of the word of God, folks, you're going to struggle in your homes. You're going to struggle in your mind. You're going to struggle in your life. These are sobering statistics, I believe. They should give us pause and cause to understand that just because we're followers of Jesus doesn't mean that we're immune to the effects of life and increased stress due to major factors. What we need to understand is that that as followers of Jesus, we have the teachings of the Bible to look to and to lean on and we have the promise that if we incorporate those teachings into our lives, our families and our marriages, then we will be more successful in living in harmony with others and those around us. We've got to accept that. I know, I know. We've we've been thrown into this situation. Nobody saw this coming. And if they saw a a sickness coming, nobody saw it to this magnitude. Think of it. A month ago, how many of you were thinking, wow, I wonder if this is going to shut our country down? Nobody. I never dreamed I'd live in a time like this. But here we are we as followers of Christ if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior you have the promise that if you get into the Word and you read what the Bible has to say and you take those principles and apply them to your situation and apply them to your life apply them to your family that means praying for your spouse praying for your children that means Putting into practice what the Bible teaches us to do. If we do that, the Bible says we will have success in life. The Bible says we will be able to deal with these situations. Now, what I want to do in this sermon is to address the most common and broad issues that we all deal with in the the area of mental health. So we're going to be talking about the we're not gonna be breaking it down into subsets, okay? We're gonna be talking about the majors and things like anxiety, stress, stuff like that. But let me give this disclaimer, okay? Because it's important. It's important that I give this disclaimer. I know my limits as a pastor. I'm not an MD, okay? I don't know how to diagnose certain mental illnesses and I don't claim to. I'm also not one of those guys that walks around claiming to be a faith healer. And I can draw out of you with my hands what is wrong. Listen, and I'm going I'm to explain myself as we go through this. There are certain mental conditions, illnesses, whatever you want to call them, that are genetic, that people are predisposed to because of chemical imbalances in their body, that happen because of... situations and circumstances, my boys still deal with PTSD. I told you what they did, right? When, When we talked about moving, the first thing, the first thing they did was pack a suitcase. And in that suitcase, they didn't neatly put in underwear and socks and shorts. In that suitcase, they put the things that were dear to them. They put toys and pictures. They put the first pictures that we took together in that suitcase. And those suitcases sat by our front door until the day we closed on our house. And we, went, we all walked as a family to those suitcases that day and said, is it time, is it okay to move the suitcases today? And the boys said, yes. Can I tell you that we moved in March 20th? We started talking about moving in January. That's a long process. My sons had to deal with, and we had to work with that. We've got to understand, and Christians, we've got to accept the fact that circumstances in life and genetics and other things affect our mental health. What what am I trying to say here? Sometimes you need to get medical help for a mental condition, for a mental illness, and there is no shame. There should be no shame in that. Because you need that. Don't just think I can say, say, read a verse to you and pray over you and all will be well. If God wants to, wants to dramatically and drastically and supernaturally heal you, that's, that's God and I'll pray for that. But you need to also understand, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead of my notes, you need to understand this. We are part of a fallen creation. We are all part of a fallen creation. It's funny People will criticize those who take medication for mental illness, but they'll praise technology when I tell them that I have a fake knee. They'll they'll praise technology when I tell them I have a fake hip. They'll praise technology when I tell them I have four screws holding my foot together. You see, it's not just the physical that we struggle with. And we've got to understand that mental struggles, mental disease, mental illness, whatever you want to call it, whatever's politically correct today, I'm not trying to be flip or, or mean, whatever you want to call it today is something that you can struggle with and you need to get help in those situations. And that's not what we're talking about in this message, okay? That's not what we're talking about in the series. What we are talking about is the struggles of everyday life that truly and dramatically affect your mind and and get your mind and take your mind to places that are dark and desperate, that bring your mind to places where you shouldn't be and places you don't talk about at parties and places that cause you to want to do harm to other people and even to yourself. Can we handle those things? Is the Bible Is the Bible equipped to handle those struggles? Absolutely. Solid Christian counseling can help, reaching out to a brother or sister in Christ, spending time in prayer with another brother. Being open and honest, one of the great things about our men's ministry is that this, the men's ministry that we started just a couple, a couple months before um, the shutdown, one of the, the best parts of that is that we're challenged to be open in that and to speak. I'm, I'm part of a men's group that meets uh, Thursday nights. Right now, it's, we're meeting online every Thursday night. Uh, but it's guys from other churches, uh, and churches that we're not even affiliated with. And what's beautiful about that is that the men there are challenged to be open and to speak about their lives because it's important that we have somebody we can talk to about what's going on that you don't keep it bottled up because when you keep it bottled up, eventually it's going to explode. Talking with a brother or sister and praying together, that's scripture, man. That's putting the... See, that's not just... That's just not a happy new age type of thing. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I believe that the issues of life and the extreme swings of emotion and mental struggles are addressed in the Bible and be, can be conquered with biblical principles. <clears throat> Some people are very literal and they'll take these, these scriptures and they'll put them literally to practice in their lives and it will help them. Other people, are gonna, other people that hear this and are, are going to have to do trial and error and see it, see it truly work in their life before they'll really put their faith. Wherever you fall in that spectrum... It's time, especially in this time in history, that we as believers start knowing what the Bible says about dealing with our mental health. Either way, it's okay, just as long as you begin to address your mental health with the Bible. Hear that? Either way, it's all right. As long as you follower of Christ, you watching on Facebook, as long as you begin to address your mental health with the principles of the Bible. The Bible clearly tells us what to aim for as a believer when it comes to our mental health. Think about this as we're going out into um, into society right now. When you go to the store, when you stand, you know, you go to Walmart now, and it's it, you stand like six feet, and they've got marks on the floor, on the on the concrete, right? I, I went the other day. I had to go to the store for something, and it was raining, and people are standing out there. I went, I I drove by, and I, it was over by where Zach works, and outside it was raining, and people were standing outside to get in to pay their Xfinity bill. Boy, that can wear on people, can't it? When you walk into the store and you're not wearing a mask, somebody might say something to you. If you get a little bit too close or if you handle the products a little bit too much, people are so paranoid right now. When somebody cusses you out as a follower of Christ, how are you going to deal with that? What is your retort? Are you going to be a typical New Englander? and come back with a sarcastic response? Or are you gonna be who Jesus wants you to be? And exercise Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 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 patience. Feel like a broken record. Patience, (laughs) kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things, such things. You know what Paul is saying at the end of that where he says the the law is not against such things? He says, what he's saying is there's no limit to the amount of this fruit that you can bear as a Christian. There's no limit. If you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and you'll incorporate the principles of the word of God, did you know that there needs to be no limit on the love you can express to others? There's There's no limit, now check this out. There's no limit to the amount of patience you can express to others. There's no limit on the fruit of the Spirit. And if we are going to show Jesus in a practical way, last week we talked about, uh, about supporting each other and su- supporting local businesses and, and being kind of things like that. If we are going to practically support our community as believers in Christ right now, more than ever the fruit of the Spirit needs to be evident in our lives. How's the fruit of the Spirit going to be evident in your life? By taking care of your mind. By going to Philippians 4 4 through 8 and seeing, putting the thoughts and the things that you're allowing yourself to read. Listen, but Pastor John, the news, the news, the news, there's an off button for your TV. Last time I checked, Fox, MSNBC, and CNN are not on Netflix, right? Go to, if you like baseball, they're playing all the old baseball games. Watch an old baseball game. You can't have watched them all. If you're a fan of Super Bowls and your team won one or two or too many, (laughs) you can replay them if they weren't won back when there was no technology to record them, Cowboys fans. But that's how we should respond. We're just going to jump into this first point and then we'll stop so we can pick this up next week. Let me say this, even Christians are candidates for a struggle with mental health. Even Christians are candidates for a struggle with mental health. Wanna, wanna, do you want a very practical example? Now, I'm sure nobody watching, nobody seated in the auditorium today can identify with this, but you've probably seen it on TV, right? When the stress at home has become too much, and you lose your temper and yell at your spouse, or you yell at your kids and blame your children for something you did, or you blame your... Listen, thanks to Lori Chartier, we have a dog named Teddy. Teddy is a big, lovable, golden doodle, wonderful dog, but Teddy is a big dog in a little world. And Teddy will... Yeah, if I leave something in the way, Teddy's going to knock it over. That's just who Teddy is. You know whose fault that was? Me. Because I'm the one that didn't take resp- I'm the I'm the human, right? I'm the one that should have taken it, should should have done what I was supposed to do. If you don't think that mental struggles apply and your mental health is important, just remember just try to remember the last time you lost your cool on somebody because of stress or anxiety. Those are the kind of things we're going to be talking about. Mental, mental health issues are not always what people think. It's not about psych wards and medication and horror movies. In every horror movie, it's like, you know, they, it's a, a, a person that has a real mental disorder that is the, the villain. It's about the inability to function without undue fear or worry. It's about thoughts and issues in your mind that don't just distract, but sometimes paralyze us from being able to move forward in life. If I'll be honest with you, in all my years of ministry, that is the biggest issue I've dealt with in people's lives. People who are not able to get beyond a situation, and because of that, it has paralyzed them right where they are when it comes to ptsd when it comes to people who have had um serious uh times that that of of uh serious trauma in their life did you know this did you know this that tra- our bo- our brains are designed by god to stop at trauma how many of you are, are, are i guess i should say this to the If you're you're a fisherman or a fisherwoman and you're watching on Facebook, raise your hand. (laughs) I see those hands. Just kidding. But how many people do you know have they caught a fish that was this big except when they told everybody about it as years go by and it becomes this big? Or you're like the one-armed fisherman who caught a fish this big. Um, not funny okay Uh, good memories get better as time goes on okay understand that our minds are designed good memories get better as time goes on we call it exaggeration traumatic memories the brain stops and remembers them i've told you before with our sons they tell us stories about when they were less than 11 months old. Stories about being in their cribs and being left alone. And the, what made it really real is when they said they used to help each other climb out of their cribs. That was documented in their files. Nobody had ever told them they remembered it. I don't know about you, but I don't remember anything from when I was 11 months old. My first memory was walking on to, is walking onto what I know now as Laquillo Beach in Puerto Rico but that was, I was like three. So trauma keeps us right where we're at. Trauma stops. We have to deal with that. You know how you deal with it? As the Bible says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Talk to God about it, apply scripture. Figure out, find out how to handle the situation by talking with others. Mental health issues cause us to live dysfunctionally. They cause us to act differently towards others, sometimes in mean and even violent ways. Why is this and why is there such an issue with admitting this in church? And we'll close with this. actually, we're gonna get through this quickly. We're part of a fallen creation. Creation is fallen and we all have struggles and troubles to deal with. Remember, Paul, even Paul the apostle said to God, three times because he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. It might've been poor eyesight. It might've been physical uh, maladies, but whatever it was, we don't know. He went to God three times and three times he prayed for God to take it away. What was the response from God? My grace is sufficient for you. We're gonna find as we dig into this, the first thing you're gonna have to realize is God has an answer and you need to be willing to accept it because his grace is sufficient for you. If you'll turn to Psalm 40, verses one through three, a great example of someone who dealt with the stress and struggles of, mental health, uh, of their mental health was David. David, a man after God's own heart, is a great example for us. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet in a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Some will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Some pertinent facts about this psalm about David. The first thing is, David had to be in need to cry for help. You understand that? David had to be in need to cry for help. Okay, well, we get in need. I have a flat tire. God, show me how to, that's just typical life. That's not necessarily stress or mental mental struggles, right? How about this? David had to be in an emotional pit to be lifted out. He brought me out of the pit, out of the miry clay. What's What's miry clay? That stuff that you get stuck in. You ever, you ever had your, been walking in the mud after, on a rainy day and your boot or your shoe gets stuck in the mud and you can't get it out? You can't go anywhere. That's what David's talking about. In order for David to be lifted out of a pit, he had to be in one first. Don't think you're above this, folks, and don't look down on those who are open enough to admit it. He had to be sitting, now listen to this, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. David had to be singing an old song of discouragement to need a new song of encouragement. What am I saying in all this? And we'll close, we, I promise we'll close with this. There is no shame in admitting that you, need, you have a need for the healing of your mind. There is no shame. In fact, I think it's I think it's, a, a, I, I think it's almost heroic for yourself and those in your life to admit that you need a healing of your mind. Now, more than ever, listen i 'm determined for myself, because I think you need to, to be determined for yourself. First, for myself, i 'm going to come out of this time better than I went into it i 'm determined that my family, my, my uh, my local nuclear family in my home, my wife and my two youngest boys, we're gonna come out of this better than when we went into it. We tr- we're, that's my goal. I want my church to be better out of it, to co- coming out of this than we were going into this. That's why we're doing everything we can to keep us connected through this time because some of our folks might not have had any much human interaction at all personally contacted. It's so vitally important. We've got to we've got to make the determination that we're going to be better after this and going through it than we were going into it. And I believe in this area that we're talking about now there is it's got to start with understanding there's no shame in admitting that you have a need for healing of your mind. Challenge you you can watch this over again. I challenge you to look these scriptures up. Pray about it. Talk to God. Reach out. We're here. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to Pastor Zach. You can reach out to Pastor Osvaldo. You can pre- reach out to friends. There are people in the church that care. If you're part of the men's ministry, reach out to the men's leadership. Reach out to the friends that you know and, and, uh, and trust. Talk with somebody. And be honest about what you're going through. As we go through this sermon series, we're going to be looking at what the, Bible, how the, what the Bible says about these issues and how the Bible tells us that we should be dealing with them and reacting to them and responding to them and how you can get through them in a powerful, victorious way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time to be together. Thank you for our worship team. And Lord, they're just, just amazing. Lord... They just did it again this Sunday. Amazing. Thank you for uh, that. Thank you for the time of, of uh, remembering what you did for us on the cross. And may we not forget it, especially now. God, thank you for the time that, thank you, thank you, Lord, for the technology that allows us to be able to connect even though we're not next to each other, even though we're not physically close. Lord, I pray for everyone that has heard this sermon, everyone that has participated, or everyone that's going to, that God, you'll work in our hearts and help us to understand and accept and admit that this is a difficult time, even as Christians. It's a difficult time. It's a time of fear. It's a time of uncertainty. It's a time of doubt. It's a time of worry. God, the list would go on of things that we're dealing with. Even as followers of you. But Lord, I pray also that we'll remember that you've given us ways to handle this. And I pray that we'll lean on you. I pray that we'll lean on others, not be heroes. May we realize, God, that we are stronger together and we're stronger when we're honest and open. God bless us, all of those who are watching, all of those who are here, who, who have who've sacrificed their time to make sure that we have a service we can present. Would you bless them? God, may we go from, our, from this point, even if we can't meet with people, may we be worshipers of yours, lights on a hill that cannot be hid. Show us your way through this, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.